Statistically, it sounds like there would be a lot of people compatible with you. I don't think so because normally what men want is far from me. You don't think that you're other people's top three? No. No. My dating life is, uh, I can't even say complicated. It's just I'm a complicated guy. I am afraid. I'm afraid of failing at it. I'm afraid of failing at it for sure. I'm afraid if I give it all and show you everything, that I'll fail at it and then it's going to break apart anyway. And this. Oh, this? This is the problem with monogamy. So many of you feel like if you don't fit inside of this rigid cookie cutter frame of what a romantic partnership is quote unquote supposed to be, then you're not cut out for love at all. And that's bullshit. So we got to get into it. But right after this. Lovers and friends. I'm going to take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I say, lovers and friends. Uh, I'm going to hold you down, down to the end. I say, What's up? Welcome to Lovers and Friends, a podcast about intimacy in all of its glory. My name is Shan Boudram. I'm an intimacy expert who many of you are likely side-eyeing right now because statistically speaking, the vast majority of you listening are monogamous. So let me give you a brief rundown of today's episode before I pick my bone with the commitment style that you likely subscribe to. So as always, guests on this show choose the topic and then I build the episode around them. And so as I was putting together this episode with Mandy, who you likely know from Horrible Decisions, and Cleo Thomas, who you likely know from the Disney movie Holes, who both identify with being afraid of dating, what stuck out to me is how fucked up it is that both of these very fascinating and unique individuals have come to see themselves as undateable. And not because they're gaslighters, see the last episode, but largely because how they want to engage in a lifelong partnership is not in line with what we're force-fed happily ever after is supposed to be. I have spent a lot of my time as a public-facing person backtracking on declarations I made about my own intimate future. I was anti-marriage and hella anti-kids for all of my 20s and my teens. So I had to backtrack on that because here I am now married with two kids. Because yeah, I count the baby that I'm currently pregnant with as my second kid because I'm already looking after her. Now, after a couple of failed romantic roommate situations and one unimaginably awful experience living with a romantic partner, I said I was the kind of person who had to live alone. So why did I initially set these boundaries for my intimate life? Because I realized that if I had to do these things the way that I was taught they had to be done, then I would fail miserably. Fun fact for people new to my life, I began studying sex in 2005 because... I had a really shitty sex life. And I thought to myself, man, either I am doing this all the way wrong or my Catholic school family life, which is what they call sex ed in Catholic school, family life. That teacher was right about sex being the devil's work. Then I began studying romantic relationships in 2014 for really the exact same reason. I got to a place where I realized that either I was unlovable, aka as my ex repeatedly told me, terrible at relationships and completely clueless about men, or that I really didn't understand love the way that I needed to do it in order to enjoy it and provide an enjoyable experience for someone else. What I did know, damn near all I knew, is the relationship escalator. The relationship escalator is a term used to describe the programmed chain of events and actions that lead to a quote-unquote successful love life. By default, we're all placed on the escalator that sets us on a course to step one, date casually with minimal sexual activity. Step two, 
Meet a partner that we can engage in a monogamous, emotional, and sexual relationship with as fast as possible. Step three, protect the exclusivity of the partnership at all costs. Step four, become as enmeshed as possible with the other person's life. Step five, forego personal identity and choice in order to ensure you are representing your escalator-style relationship at all times. Step six, get married, move in together. Step seven, buy property. Step eight, have children. And then give or take a step here and there, but mostly remain at this level together, as is at the top of the escalator until death. Bonus, as a hobby, you get to now lecture and judge everyone who's not at the top of the escalator with you. For example, so are you ever going to settle down with someone and start a life? And as soon as you are with someone, so are you guys talking about marriage yet? And then you get married. When are the kids coming? The author of the book, Stepping Off the Relationship Escalator, Uncommon Love in Life, puts it like this. The escalator is a standard by which most people gauge whether a developing intimate relationship is significant, serious, good, healthy, committed, or worth pursuing at all. So let me backtrack to the top and address my comments on monogamy, because truly this is not a slander on monogamy at all, because genuine monogamy should be custom made like any other commitment style. The issue to me lies in the prevalence and the pushiness of the escalator culture that we wrongfully assume monogamy has to be like. And this leaves everyone who doesn't aspire to these exact same escalator steps feeling like they're not compatible with relationships, period. When the real truth is, yes, humans do a lot of the same things, but we probably don't do a lot the exact same way. So why do we assume that when it comes to love, we all should or even can Follow the same formula. So to me, when I listen back to this episode and the guests and their stories, that's what I heard. Now you might hear something different, which to me is the beauty of the podcast and the work that we create here together. In any event, hopefully you hear something that helps you and super hopefully our guests hear it back and take something that gives them hope, confidence, and excitement for themselves. Let's start with Mandy B, who is believed that she is hard to love, coaxed her into staying in an on and off relationship that was way harder than she knows love needs to be. Mandy is an entrepreneur, podcaster, and media personality who is the co-host of the Horrible Decisions podcast and See the Thing Is podcast. Mandy is also the founder of Official Box Owner. Her work focuses on sex and relationships, so naturally, she is a longtime lover and friend of mine who I doubt even needed this introduction. I spoke with you, let's say, November. Yes. And you were single. Yes. And then I spoke with you, I think, a month later, Mm -hmm. and you were no longer single. Yep. Where are we at now? Single again. (laughs) And I don't think I'm going back this time. It's crazy because I probably broke up and got back together with my ex at least seven times, probably like a boomerang on and off for like seven, eight months out of the full maybe two years we were together. Mm-hmm. And you know the statistic, I'm not sure the details of your relationship, but the statistic is if <laughs> you are stats. in uh, some type of like toxic or harmful or manipulative or abusive relationship, mm. seven times is the number it takes to leave on average. Really? Yeah. I think I'm done finally for good. Um, It's weird because I wouldn't have said it was manipulative. I wouldn't have said it was abusive. Um, I wouldn't have even called our relationship toxic as much as I just kept making excuses for why it wasn't working. I didn't know if 
I wasn't communicating enough. I didn't know if he just genuinely wasn't trying to understand me. So I was just like, okay, we can, we can keep trying because I still love him. I still felt like we're going to be together forever. So I was like, as long as we keep trying at it, it'll happen. And then trying became exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying yes. and breaking up and getting back together and trying to troubleshoot. Because clearly every time we broke up, it wasn't the same reason. So I was like, okay, we can fix this. We can fix this. And then it just became, this is exhausting trying to fix it. Almost like if something is broken, right? Say I break my favorite vase and I'm like, you know what? I can put it back together again. And I'm spending all this time trying to piece it back together until I realize I can probably just go buy another vase. <laughs> it's not that serious. Like, why am I trying so hard to put something back together when you know what? I'm not going to like it as much because I'm going to see all the cracks in it. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be my favorite vase anymore. And then finally I was like, nope, it's time to move on. I and always say okay. to people that there's this, you know, that adage that relationships take hard work. And for people who are in dysfunctional relationships, like that is your like mantra. You wake up every day, you're like, well, relationships take hard work and they take hard work. Yes. And then at a certain point you're like, but not this hard. Well, and you know, that's the conversation I've been having with my friend too. Like I have the best relationships with my friends, mm -hmm. right? My partner inevitably should also be my friend. Yes. So if it's that hard, I never have to force myself to be in a friendship with my friends. And so I don't know why that doesn't roll over with relationships. Why was he your person? <clears throat> and why was he not your person? He was my person because for the first time with a man, I felt like I could be all of myself. I didn't feel like I had to show up with a mask. I could be loud. I could be goofy. I could be funny. I could be kinky. Even in the bedroom, how I was able to express myself sexually, I didn't feel shame at all. So to be able to be with someone where I knew I could be my full self in every room, in every space, I was like, you're my person. Um, he wasn't my person because the one thing that's important to me in a relationship is communication in the way he let me speak but I don't think he listened. Mm. And What's the difference? Like, give me an example. So an example would be my birthday. For my birthday, all I told him was that I didn't want to party this year. I just wanted to, like, be with him, maybe go grab a bite, something small, right? He threw me a surprise birthday party and invited all the people. And I was like, wow, you literally almost went out of your way to get me exactly what I didn't ask for. Okay. And he did the same for Valentine's Day. He did the same in terms of we were trying to get somewhere else in the bedroom. And he kept trying to tell me how it should have went. And I'm like, you literally keep bringing up the one thing that I don't want. You know, what's interesting is that did you, you didn't read Will Smith's book, right? No. Well, he talks about for Jada's 40th birthday, how he did that exact same thing. Oh. And it caused the biggest argument because he was like, how ungrateful are you? I literally went out of my yep. way to throw you this entire yep. thing. I went out of my way to make this so special for you, to show my love for you. And you're over here sulking and pissed because, yep. of, yeah. That was me. But again, like, I don't know why men make it so difficult sometimes. It's like, I'm not someone that you have to guess or try to read. I'm telling you exactly what I want. And if you can't listen to that, to me, it, it, it goes beyond. It's almost like a slap in the face. It's almost like disrespect. It's almost like, do you really not care about 
what makes me happy? Do you think Or do I'm, you think that I don't know myself? I don't need you to tell me about myself when I'm telling you exactly the things I want. Who are you showing off for? Is it for my friends? Is it because now they can see that you went out of your way to do something? No, because behind closed doors, I told you I didn't want this. Yeah. You know? So I think it's, uh, again, to me, then it's like, who are you showing up for? Yourself. Mm-hmm. You're not showing up for me in this relationship at all. And you felt that like across the board? In, in a lot of different from things. sex. Sex. <laughs> he was he, showing up for you. He He got it right. He got it right. He made me feel good in the bedroom, but I wanted to feel good out of the bedroom. Mm -hmm. So there's two types of reasons people stay in relationships and keep going back. Sometimes it's because it is toxic to some degree Mm -hmm. and it creates this addictive cycle where when we are in fight or flight, we're most drawn to the person who is our protector and provider. Yes. And oftentimes in relationships and toxic ones, that person is also your biggest harmer as well and the biggest danger to you. So it creates this weird brain relationship where I'm drawn to you, even though I know you're the person who's going to hurt me. But that doesn't sound like your story. It sounds like your story was more so, yo, so many things are right. Yeah. This really should work. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. And well, and that's the thing too. Uh, My therapist said I live in fear. So for me, it was because so many things were right. I was like, I'm not going to find better. So we have to make this work because I was like, I feel so good when I feel good. That outweighs the bad. Right. And so it was this thing where to me, as long as the good was outweighing the bad, it made sense. This is better than I think what most of my friends' relationships look like. Right. So, and I made that comparison too. I was like, oh, well, he's not as bad as her partner or her partner. So I think I'm doing kind of good over here. But no, it wasn't that because I still wasn't getting everything I wanted. And so that's another thing my therapist brought up. I got all these crumbs from the men in my past, right? And he was a slice. So he felt like so much more. And she said, well, you don't want the whole thing? You don't want the whole cake. I know you were fine with the crumbs, but you moved up and was like, well, at least I have a whole slice now. And she's like, why is that all you're aiming for? Why not get the whole cake? Yeah. And so I'm like, you're right. I'm still somewhat settling and I still do deserve more. I can get more. And so now it's just me putting that into the universe. He was great. He showed me what I want, but now I also know what I don't want. Mm-hmm. So now that can be communicated moving forward. And it was great for what it was. I learned from the relationship. I think a lot of people, women do this too, especially if they've come from a lot of like really terrible ass relationships and connections. You get with somebody who's marginally better and then you kind of feel ungrateful for being like, but I still want more. I, I was starting to think that. I was starting to think that until I realized how I was showing up. And so I was like, I don't, I, don't, I don't think I thought I was capable of being a good girlfriend, to be honest with you. I didn't think I could be faithful. I didn't think I could be considerate. I didn't think I could put someone's, uh, I didn't think I could care for someone the way I cared for him. So to be fair, when it came to the settling, it came after I realized how I was showing up as a partner. And I said, you know what? The least I deserve is for someone to show up the way I'm showing up. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the least. The least. The least. <laughs> like, I would love you to go leaps and bounds beyond what I can bring as a partner. Yeah. And then that might also unlock other potential for you. You know what I mean? You might find yourself. And so to me, I was like, I at least deserve someone to show up 
as good as I'm showing up in this relationship. And I don't think he was. And I don't think the effort was there to do so. Like, there were, there were times where he would say, you know, I'm giving you all I can give you. And if it's not enough, maybe this isn't working out. He's literally said that before. And so, yeah, I think that's what else I realized. If this is the best you can give me and I know it's not enough, this this relationship isn't enough. Mm-hmm. You know what was shocking to me is the fear of being single. <laughs> and I think that that's what it was. Also, as as women, again, we're conditioned to even value ourselves by if we're being claimed by men. If we're in a relationship, our value is higher. If we're married, our value is higher. If we're mothers, our value is higher. Like, so me being in my 30s, not a mother, and now single, again, I mean, even Kevin Samuels is out here saying, as you age, uh, you depreciate in value as a woman. So, yeah, I didn't want to be like, do I have to rely on the dating apps again? Mm -hmm. How am I going to meet people? Like, we just had a fucking pandemic. I met him on Zoom. (laughs) So it's like, damn. I'm also now dating in a new world. How does this happen? And I don't want to be single. You didn't want to be single because you were afraid of how it would look or you didn't want to be single because you were afraid of starting all over again. Dating is work. It's a job. Do you think I want another job? No. So (laughs) I don't. I guess what's unique about you, though, is that one, you talk about your love life for a living. So this is content. Yes. And number two, you're so outgoing and you meet people so effortlessly. So that's why it's shocking to me. I'm shallow. So I want really good looking men. And now, too, it's like I can't expect a man to make more money than me now. It would be nice. But I know that I'm in that percentile, especially because I love black men. I want a black king. That's it. So just statistically speaking, it's not going to be easy to find a beautiful, because I'm shallow, beautiful black man that makes at least six figures. I can see it from that perspective. So you the, know what I mean? There's this book that I love. It's called Datanomics, where it basically talks about Come on, Datanomics. <laughs> yeah, it was actually by an economist from the New York Times. Oh. Who he didn't even work in the intimacy realm. He did numbers and finances. But then he was like, people need to start looking at it like that. Because essentially, if you are looking, if you have 100 marbles and you're like, I'm only attracted to people with penises, cool, 50 marbles left. Yeah. I want somebody who's <laughs> over six feet. Okay, now there's- 12 marbles, marbles left. left. <laughs> he has to be black. Okay, maybe there's 10 marbles now, left. Yep. And so with that in mind, like break down for me what it is that you're like, what's your whole cake look like? Mm. My whole cake looks like someone who has emotional intelligence. I think even just someone that's willing to, again, step out of themselves and see how they're showing up and are willing to work on that. Can we do an activity together? Yes. Oh. I love activities. Wait. So this is actually inspired by this book that I read that is called The Science of Happily Ever After. Okay. So oftentimes when we have fear, it's because we don't have strategy and it feels large. Okay. Like the the challenge ahead feels foggy and it feels big. Yep. So this is a way of quantifying it because this book essentially says that statistically you should pick three things. So every time you go on a date- (sighs) Every time you meet somebody, you are like, they have to check off these three boxes. We just talked about this too on See The Thing Is. Damn, I hope I say the same three. Just me popping in. Remember that job listing exercise from my book, The Game of Desire, that I did with Harry in episode 22, You're Dating Out of Your League? Remember the list of traits I mentioned in order to help you define for yourself what a high value partner is? That's what Mandy's looking at right now. Sexually compatible, that's the first one. Oh, Highly ambitious, 
and emotionally stable. I don't have time for a narcissist. I don't have time for the hot and cold. Yes. So even, and, and no shade, I love people are getting into mental health. I'm not a person that can deal with someone who may be bipolar or someone dealing with not being emotionally stable. Again, hot and cold, I don't want it. Need you to be lukewarm, baby. Well, Need see, you to be lukewarm. Based on those three, uh, yeah. statistically, it sounds like there would be a lot of people compatible with you. I don't think so because normally what men want is far from me. So I'm not a quiet, timid woman. A lot of men don't like the aggressive, the abrasive, you the loud woman. You don't think that you're other people's top three? No. No. I openly talk about sex. That in itself rubs a lot of men, makes them uncomfortable that I'm so comfortable in my sexuality. A lot of men don't, you know, they want you to be a lady in the streets, but a freak in the sheets. I'm a freak wherever I'm at. Yeah. I'm talking about fucking eating ass at a dinner table. You know yeah. what I mean? And that might not make men very comfortable. But also, again, a lot of men want to feel needed. And because I don't need you to pay my bills, because I don't need you to protect me, a lot of men, I don't think, know how they need to show up. But that's also important, too, because then you redefine what you need. You're not saying, I don't need a man. That's the thing. Being overly yes. independent doesn't mean we don't need men, but it's interpreted that way. You don't need but a man I think for nothing. That also goes with how you're leading it. You're leading it with what I don't need you for rather than like, this is what I do need. Like an overly independent woman who does pay her own bills, who can make herself come at night. Right. Who can, you know, just demand attention in a room and get into rooms without a man being there. I think men show up with their insecurity because they feel like the woman doesn't need them. Yeah. Because, again, now I'm expecting you to show up differently than maybe how you normally thought you had to show up for a woman. Yeah. Right? You are such an incredible woman. Oh, stop. That the fact that you think that you're not <laughs> majority of men's cup of tea is nuts to me. I know. But I think that that has a lot to do with one, us being conditioned to believe that men want a certain kind of woman. And so yep. we're leading with what we're not versus what we are. Because what you are is fine as hell, funny as hell, Thank cool you. as hell, <laughs> relaxed, right. not going to stress somebody out, not yep. overly possessive at all, no. willing to give somebody tons of space. I was sharing my man with everybody. Willing to give that person space <laughs> to pursue their outside interest, yep. encouraging them yep. to be ambitious. A yep. lot of people actually have a difficult time with that. Like if you have all these outside interests and you have all these outside friends and we don't live together, where does that leave space for me? Whereas then you're actually I saying- I want them to- yeah. I, because it's important for me, again, as women, when we, even when we date, a lot of us show up with a mask, with a mask on, on, oh my God, I, I don't want him to think I had too many partners. I don't want him to think I'm a hoe. I don't want him to think I'm this. I don't want him to think I'm that. Because again, yeah, we show up thinking we know what men want in, in terms of what they want from a partner. So we don't show up as ourselves. I'm going to show up as myself. Yes. You know what I mean? And so... I want my partner to show up as themselves. That includes their friends. That includes their hobbies. I want them to have a life outside of me. And for whatever reason, we believe that when we get in a relationship, our whole lives have to be about each other. And then we lose sight of the things that we were enjoying. We lose sight of our friends. How many friends do you have that when they get in a relationship, you stop seeing them? Yep. You stop hearing from them. And it's just because they believe that all they have to be now is a girlfriend. All they are are them and their partner. And that's not that's not fair. Mm -hmm. I think it's not fair. And so, no, 
Go have your free day. Go have your few days. I'll see yeah. you in a couple of days. Okay, let's both spend time with our friends. Like, I think it's important. I got two last questions for yep. you. Question number one is the last relationship ended. Yes. And in that, what is the thing that you're like, I want to work on this about myself to prepare myself for the next relationship that I want to be, if not the whole cake, half the cake this time? <laughs> Probably what I would work on. And everyone says it's a Libra trait, but I don't really follow the signs. I built up resentment for certain things that I didn't communicate early enough because I hate conflict. So in, in, I guess even the up and down, instead of coming at him with one thing that I had a problem with, I would come to him with five. Yeah, because sometimes our fear of conflict comes because the way that we address conflict is not conducive to a conversation. Yep. So it's and my delivery is always bad. (laughs) So, and I think that that's probably why I sit on it because I'm like, how do I bring this up in a way that doesn't sound wild or doesn't sound like I'm attacking him or his character or who he is? And so then when again when I bring it with a whole list, yeah. It's, that didn't work. And either. by that time, you're like up to here. You're and so up my to delivery here with that really shit. isn't yeah. good. You know. <laughs> All right. Last question. Yep. How have you gotten over your fear of getting back out there, and how are you getting back out there? I'm not. I haven't. And I probably shouldn't be putting this in the universe, but I'm like, maybe I'm just gonna end up like Tracy Ellis Ross. You know, just gonna be this free flowing woman that's fine as shit with glowing skin with hella money, and I just enjoy life without like the pressures of finding that one, you know? And so there, there is no fear that I've overcome yet. I haven't got back into dating because I'm still fearful of it. Shout out to Mandy, whose story is always evolving. So to get the latest updates, plus her humor, expertise, and access to her insane Rolodex of fast dating friends, listen to Horrible Decisions and see the thing is weekly, wherever you're listening right now. You can also follow her on IG at Full Court Pumps. And everybody with a vulva, please check out Official Box Owner to get monthly goodies for your good good. All right, up next, I'm bringing in Cleo Thomas, a friend of mine who's been just so kind and supportive to me since I moved to LA that I had to ask him in the interview. Cleo, have we dated before? To which he answered, no, no, we haven't. But here's what he has done. Cleo is an actor, influencer, gamer, host, and entrepreneur. As a veteran in the entertainment industry, Cleo is widely recognized for his role as Zero in Holes, opposite of Shia LaBeouf. But personally, I know him from his starring role on Roll Bounce. Right now, he's got a talk show on Twitch. But before you go check that out, let's get really nosy about his love life. For me, I can't numb it. Like, I know I can't. That's gonna be. It's gonna be so fleeting that even within the moment of trying to date again, I'll be in my head like, "This shit ain't it. This is not it." And I'm ready to go ahead and just call it a day right now. This interview is coming up right after this. Cleo Thomas, mm. ladies and gentlemen. What's happening? How are you doing? I'm amazing. How about you? I'm doing great. Good. I saw you really recently. Yeah. Like, we went on a double date of sorts. Yeah. That was cool. I guess if you were Ryu's date. <laughs> oh, my God. 
<laughs> Ryu was amazing. That was my first time meeting Ryu. I was like, yo, this is great to see. Like, I don't have any friends with children. Okay, so at the end of that conversation, mm -hmm. I asked you about your dating life. You did. And then Ryu started doing some fuck shit, I believe. I can't remember what happened. I didn't actually get to hear your answer. Yeah. And so when I was doing this episode, I was like, I wanted a single dude to reflect on these experiences. And I thought of you, but I have no idea what your dating life is like. So yeah. let's start there. Man, my dating life is, uh, I can't even say complicated. It's just, I'm a complicated guy. Like I'm the, I'm the oldest. And then my brother has, both of my brothers have actually been more of the find a girl, fall in love. It's just going to be us. I didn't see that out the gate ever. Like I got to see a different, you know, I think the last time I was on your YouTube channel, actually, I spoke about what Screen Tour did to me. Hey, yo, click. So you know what separates your side from my side? What? Tell me. Left side. What we about to do right now is so, so disrespectful. Changed the whole dynamic of what I saw to be what love is. It's like that, that word means a lot of different things. It don't mean the fairy tale Disney princess at the end. That's probably a very exaggerated definition, though. What? <laughs> what you experience on the Scream tour. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It is very exaggerated, but it's it's what was my reality. You know, I saw a thing like I saw that woman take her wedding ring off just to be in a room and do whatever. I'm just like, that's crazy. Yeah, but with arguably people that she has looked up to and masturbated since she was <laughs> seven years old. Not, some people start that young. So I'm just saying that uh, that's an extreme example, but I understand yeah. like the range that you've experienced. Yeah. So as, okay, so then do you connect with the fear component of love and dating? Yes, I am afraid. I'm afraid of failing at it. I'm afraid of failing at it for sure. It's one of those things where like I... I know I have all of the traits to be, I guess, what a woman would perceive as a man who knows what he's doing in life, knows what he wants in life, is doing it. Like, I do it every day. So I think that that's, I think women find that attractive about me. But then I'm also, I, I hold so much of that back, even when I'm trying to build with somebody, because I'm afraid if I give it all and show you everything, that I'll fail at it, and then it's going to break apart anyway. And instead, I, I hold that that back to be able to be like, oh, well, I didn't show this side anyway. So it is what it is. And that's the reason why. So I have a scapegoat to be like, I'm cool. The official term is self-handicapping. That's what it's called? Well, it's self-sabotage, but the psychological term that is self-handicapping, where people actively engage in tactics that give them an excuse for failure. Mm. So when somebody doesn't study for a test, they wait till the last minute to study so that when they get a poor grade, it's not because I'm not smart, but instead because, oh, I didn't really study that far in advance. Damn. Mm. I would be the self-sabotaging definition of then. That would be me, man. But most people aren't able to eloquently put it like the way you just did. Yeah. Most people do these things and they're like, I don't know. I just like get really like disgusted by people really quickly or I get turned off or just, yeah, I get very claustrophobic. They don't have the actual language to say, no, I purposefully yeah. go out of my way to not totally invest in relationships. That way when they don't work out, I always have the excuse of, well, I didn't really try. I started I started a journey of just trying to figure out what was happening. Like, I really started asking myself those questions. I'm like, why is this happening? And then I had to start looking back at my my lifetime as a whole and realizing, okay, um, like consistency, right? My life or what my personal journey has been based off is my career. And there's no consistency when you're an actor. 
And then I realized the words that start with C, I have issues with. So consistency, compromise. I don't compromise on shit, man. I don't. It's bad. And I know that, but it's the truth. I just, I can't. If a man came into your life, wouldn't you want to compromise? <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> a man comes into my life and I have to compromise? You know, we in the social media aspect world, like who you follow, who you like, this, that, and the other. It's like, bro, I, I, you know, if I have to deal with you hitting my phone saying, "Why did you follow this person? Why are you liking this girl's photos?" That's it. I'm not compromising. Mm -hmm. I'm not compromising on that. I'm sorry. What is the biggest? What is the big deal? Okay, that's fair, but that's more of a boundary, I think. For who? For them? For, for them? you? Yeah. To say like this is a part of just my joy, how I interact. I mean, when you're in entertainment, mm. being charming, being sociable is an asset for you. Mm. So to shut off that part of yourself would, one, it gets you out of practice for when it counts. And then number two, let's maybe limits opportunities for networking or just joy. You don't have to always put it down to, because sometimes it is what it is. Like, I just like following fine dudes. It's just a hobby of mine. You so do? yeah, I do. <laughs> there it is. There it is. It's a hobby of mine. So I, you know, I was going to say a pet peeve of mine is like, I'll follow a fine dude and then he'll follow back and then he'll DM me like, your relationship is so inspiring. I'm like, oh. oh ruin the, you yeah. ruined the fantasy of me just looking. <laughs> right. I yeah. get you. I get you on that. A hundred percent. I get you. But that's what I mean. You can just say those things sometimes, right? We don't have to come up with a grander reason. Like, it's for my business, baby. Like, you got to see. I think you were talking to Rome. And Rome, I saw that episode, and I was like, he is spitting facts. You grow up, it's like, you be with this one person, and don't you ever leave them. And if you leave them, you're bad. And if you, if you leave them, you're going to get shunned from everybody. And, and if you're attracted to anybody And if you're else. attracted to anybody else, oh, my God. Oh, yeah, don't, don't you dare be a human being and look at anything else. And I always wondered why I would be in relationships and still feel, I feel like I was in a, in a, a box. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay, so I want to solidify this. One, did you, did you hear the Mandy thing? Um, the audio I sent you? I, I got a chance to listen to a few of it. Is that something that you relate to or do you, is your aversion to dating coming from a different angle? I do fear like starting over. Like there's someone in my life who I've had a gr an incredible run with. Ups and downs. It's been an incredible run. She was the first woman to show me things that I was like. But yeah, ups and downs, my, you know, my own compromising thing is for sure what a lot of our issues came from. And I do find it very hard to, to try and start over with anybody because I know I'm still trying to navigate uh, myself and what I'm willing to accept and deal with in, this, in my lifetime. So yeah, it's, it's hard, man. It's I'm reflecting on this conversation thinking because I asked you about your dating life at the end of a meal as we were getting up and getting the check. And yeah. I'm like, there's no way you could have answered this succinctly because <laughs> we've been talking for 13 minutes now and I'm not actually sure I know what you're saying. No? I do, but I guess I'm like, does that mean you're dating multiple people? Does mm. this mean you just came out of something? You just ended that thing that was lovely mm -hmm. and now sort of on a dry run right now? Mm. I guess I'm, I'm trying to conceptualize the like, you know, you are here on the map. Where is here? I am at the place where my most recent relationship was the first time I actually experienced what love could be. Ooh. First time at 33 years old. Was I've, this a committed relationship? Committed. Committed. 
committed. I was trying to, to, and even that word, C is another C word. That was another one, commitment. <laughs> I was like, I have a problem with C's. I'm trying to figure out where that's based off of. Is that, maybe it's the LA thing. <laughs> some baka bit buckies. He says some chocolate chips. I said some baka bit buckies, black. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that. I'm fresh out of a relationship where I, for the very first time I understood what love could do to a person, what, what would change about you, what you would want to change about yourself for a person. Um, wasn't able to fully f- figure it out, and I feel like a little bit of a failure in that as well. But at the same time, you, you know, you asked as far as dating multiple people, uh, I, don't, I don't really like running that race either. I don't because like, I was getting a non-monogamy read off of what you were saying. Yeah, well, mostly because you related to Rome, and that episode was about non-monogamy. You know, I relate that back to the my my last relationship. Like, I that was the first time I saw myself building with somebody. Yes, and I was like, oh, this is completely out of my realm. I would have never thought I could get to this place with anybody. Didn't move it. I was supposed to, but I, I relate that back to also feeling that how do you how do you restart that cycle? How do you re- and this- so when that ended? What can you give me a timeline? Like when did that end roughly? Oh, that ended around. I want to say I want to say about five months ago now. Okay, so it was through the pandemic. Oh yeah, that also changes things too because yeah. that's time that people really got close very fast. Yes, yes. When I finished the conversation with Mandy, because she was basically like, I ended that relationship because I realized that it was part of the cake for her of what she was looking for. But it wasn't the whole cake. Mm. Whereas in other relationships, she was missing ingredients. So Ooh. now at least she got to a place where it's like, oh, I found somebody. To your point, I didn't even think she had said, like, I didn't think I was capable of being a good girlfriend. I didn't think I was capable of being monogamous. I didn't think I was capable of devoting myself, of compromising the way that I did for somebody. And I found out that I could. But I also found out that that person really wasn't my be all and end all. Mm-hmm. So... I was like, okay, cool. So now you realize that you left that relationship. You've identified this fear that you have. Where are you at now? She's like, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not anywhere. You know what I mean? That's exactly where it's at. So for you, are you like, I, because you clearly identified yourself very beautifully. Like I realize I must have a self-sabotaging demeanor. These are my C words that are triggers to me. (laughs) You know, (laughs) this is the barriers that I'm trying to get past. I've seen myself get past those barriers and benefit from it. But I'm still afraid of dating. And so what does that all mean? Man, uh, maybe in the same place as Mandy. Like, you just don't know. And you just go through every day. You know, I'm lucky enough to where, like, what I love to do is, like, literally number one on my list anyway. Yes. It's number one. So I'm good. Like, I'm, I got that family. I'm going to figure that out when it's time. So and you have- want to change? That's a C word. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to, though. So they say you're supposed to change for somebody. And I'm like, I don't want to change. Well, I think there's certain things in life. Like we were talking about traveling before. Right. I don't like to travel and I don't have a desire to spark that passion in myself. Do you feel that way when it comes to dating? I'm not going to be good. This why I don't want to change. Yeah, I do feel that way. I do. But then I battle with that feeling because... I wonder if 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 I'm going to end up falling in the trap that I see all of my peers have fallen into. Like, I don't want, I'm not living that baby mama life where I just have one or multiple. Like, I know what comes with that stress. I've seen it. Nah. And then at the same time, I'm a very family-oriented person. So I would like to build that. I would like to have that legacy, that next generation of us. You know, having three siblings, two little brothers, one little sister, like, okay, What's the nieces and nephews look like for the next generation? What am I doing now to make sure that they're okay? Like, that's 
all thoughts. But yeah, you're gonna have to change if you want. You're gonna have to change if you want to. But goddamn, Shan, I don't want to change. Okay, so I'm trying to put this puzzle together. Is there a gap between what you think you want long term and what you actually want long term, yeah. or does the gap exist between who you've met? and the kind of person that you would need to meet in order to feel comfortable investing in a long-term legacy kind of relationship. Yeah. You got you to gotta be able to get to that place. I, I hope I get to the place of being able to change and compromise for what I see. Okay. What, is, what do you see? What is the ideal, intimate, long-term goal, compromise-free? Ideally, I got scared of marriage still. Business-wise, I'm scared of marriage. Why are you starting with a don't? <laughs> because, because you asked I me? said ideal what you do. I- and you're starting with, just to be clear, because we're not. Ideally, marriage scares me because of the business aspect of it. Uh, so I, I don't I don't want the marriage life. I just want a person. I want a, I want a partner. I want a partner in this. And I want to be able to, you know, have a child. And then, like, that's, that's mine. That's what I could give to the world. And everything that I've learned, I can instill into that, that child. So I want that. So a monogamous, long-term, committed relationship that is not bound by law. Law. That would be ideal. What's the, what's the, um, is it polygamy? Where you have multiple? Polyamory. I have no lie. I, I look, I was like, okay, if, if everything is wrong with me here, but I enjoy uh, conversations and interactions with multiple women, do I need to be, do I need to be looking into that lifestyle? Should I just be jumping out the window saying, yo, polygamy? But I'm like. No, nah, I don't like that either. I don't like the thought of that. Mm. I don't like that. I still like the foundation of like, yo, me and mine, ride or die. I like that. Well, here's what Mandy wants. Mandy wants a lat relationship, which means living apart together. So she wants a long-term together. partner. And I don't even know if marriage is on the table for her. I don't know if kids are on the table for her. But she does want a long-term monogamous relationship where they don't live in the same house. And she's looking for somebody who has their own dreams because she really prioritizes work. Mm-hmm. But she wants to come together and have partnership and share and love and have great sex with that person and have commitment. Um, but it doesn't look traditional. Lat, L-A-T? Yeah. Living apart together. Yes. I'm writing that down. Really? I'm writing that one down. Living apart together. Because I do have a, a space issue as well. But you know what I think, though, when I'm listening to you is because... It's not necessarily that you don't want a relationship, but maybe the model of relationship that's the most popular that majority of people subscribe to would not work for you. Mm-mm. So, but if you had an opportunity to tailor your own and to find somebody who one naturally fit into that or two was willing to make those compromises for you, yeah. it'd be fine. That's a lot to ask though. That's a lot to ask, I think, for for most women. Because I feel like because I have all those other traits, they're just like, but no, nah, like you they're Prince Charming cookie cutter thing is like, you get it. Yeah. No, there's some shit still going on back here, man. You know what it is, I think, kind of too? It's like, you know, Spirit Airlines, like, yeah. they were not offering the traditional, I'm not calling you Spirit Airlines. Are you Work with me. Spirit <laughs> Airlines? No, but. <laughs> Yo, the disrespect. What I'm that saying Cleo is they Thomas, were like, we're going to do Airlines? flying different. Our airline is incredible. We are a spirit family with thousands of unique life experiences that we use to better serve each other and our guests. But if you lead with the, you're not going to get any food, you got to pay for your own carry-on, just so you know, get your own peanuts, then it's not going to seem like a pleasurable experience. Not Spirit Airlines, not Soul Plane. What I'm trying to say is that I think people who have an unconventional life 
or unconventional needs yeah. because they're so accustomed to having to explain like, hey, what you've seen on Disney, what you saw on Family Matters, what you probably saw your parents do is not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So they lead with that. Like, it's not going to be this versus instead, like, this is what it's going to be. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. You're right. Maybe I should be more happy about explaining other than uh, I know where this is going to go next. You're right. I definitely have never explained it with the optimism of it. Never. With the hubris. The hubris. Okay. So hubrisly tell me, what do you want? (laughs) Like when you design your ideal intimate life, what does it look like? That living apart together, Mandy breakdown sounds pretty cool. That sounds good to me. I would like that. Um, I just don't want, I think insecurities play a big part in people's lives. And I feel like any woman that's had to deal with me has felt that insecurity somehow, some way. And I hate that. And I think that due to social media, due to people's upbringing, it, it, it definitely takes its toll. You're going to the negative again. Why are we here? <laughs> what do you want to hear? <laughs> the, you want to see how happy I could be? Yes. How, how happy, happy could you, I be? Could you be? With a person. See, that's the scary part. It's like, yo, I can't even tell you because well, I don't know that. And that's okay. But I will. I will. We'll be back here in like some time. And I'll be like, all right, so this is what happened. All right. So we went and did this. And you talk about all the pros and the good things. All right. And give you the list. Cleo, thank you so much for always coming through and being open and honest and vulnerable with me and just sharing a very unique perspective. Uh, I always enjoy our chats. And if you enjoyed that conversation, you definitely have to follow Cleo on Instagram, which is really easy. It's at Cleo Thomas. Also, he has a mega hit show. It's a talk show on Twitch where he games and chats and hangs out with people that he cares about. His family's on there all the time. Um, So join the family. Go to twitch.tv slash Cleo Thomas. And this is the part of the episode where I say goodbye and I thank you so much for being a part of my family. It is also the part that you should know by now. I put on the pressure and I put on my serious voice to ask you to rate the fucking podcast. If you have Spotify or if you have Apple and you have access to fingers, even if they're not your own, just take a second, press a star. I don't care which one, to be honest with you. It's really not about, I mean, I want you to represent how you feel, but it's about showing that people are engaged. And sometimes engagement looks like discourse and discourse is also very healthy. And so I'm going to read a couple people who, you know, they left lovely reviews. I don't pick the nice ones. I'm just picking the ones at the top. They just happen to me nice because I think that we're doing great work here together. Let's go. Marion Honey says, so many self-introspection topics have been coming up for me through this show. And dang, the theme song, that's it for me. Jared Brady, when are you going to put the theme song out? I know you're sound designing this episode right now and you hear this. When are you going to do it? The people want to know. Jungle Hair says, wish I could be her friend. We are friends. That's the whole point of Lovers and Friends of Podcasts. We people, we're community. Uh, Love Shan, I've anticipated her starting a podcast. She educates and talks about the things people want to hear. Every single conversation is so timely. Thank you. Lizzie says, I love it. This podcast is so upbeat and informative and I learn a lot. I don't normally listen to podcasts, but this one is gold. I appreciate this so much because I previously was not a podcast consumer. I was an audiobook aficionado. This is a new community for me and I also adore it. Honestly, let me just put it out there. I think podcast listeners are the superior online community. You know, we're intellects. 
We're thinkers, we're doers, because we want to be on the go. We're not a sitter, right? Like you're listening to this podcast while you're doing something else. You're on your shit. And I will definitely look forward to talking to you next week. Bye. Lovers and friends. I'm going to take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I said, lovers and friends. Uh, I'm going to hold you down, down to the end. I said, lovers and friends. Uh, lovers and friends. And I said, lovers and friends. Lovers and Friends is executive produced by Shared Entertainment, Shamboodram and Lauren Morrison. Also produced by Two West Entertainment and Workhouse Media. Our mixing engineers are Brendan Burns and Marcus Hom. The Lovers and Friends theme song is produced by Sean Ross and performed by Jared Brady, who also does the scoring and sound design. Jasmine Henley-Brown is the executive producer at More Sauce, and this podcast is powered by More Sauce from Stitcher. 